Hello, I'm Rena Grobe, and I'm Madhvi Romani, and this is Misinformed, where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madhvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? I've been thinking about climate change for a number of reasons. Firstly, because this week it was Earth Day, which is celebrated on the twenty-second of April every year. And it marks the anniversary of the birth of the modern environmental movement in 1970. So the link between how things like pollution and biodiversity also affects human life wasn't really part of mainstream modern Western consciousness until 1970. So a big part of that was due to a book called Silent Spring by Rachel Carson. And it went to the top of the New York Times bestseller list in 1962 and it kind of set the scene for this environmental consciousness that we see now. But along those lines, quite a few things have happened recently. First of all, the EU has promised to cut carbon emissions by at least 55%, which sounds quite a lot, but then a lot of environmental activists and scientists are saying, actually, that's not enough and nowhere near going to make the Paris Agreement. And then there are a bunch of documentaries on Netflix recently. So there is David Attenborough's A Life on Our Planet, which is about the human impact on biodiversity and how basically we've reduced it significantly and affected current ecosystems. And the second one that everyone is talking about, and I think loads of people have promised to stop eating fish, is a documentary on Netflix called Seaspiracy, which is about the modern fishing industry, which it seems to me is the stupidest industry on earth. When I was watching it, I was like, oh my god, that is ridiculous. And yeah, of course, I'm never eating fish again. I already don't eat fish, so I felt very morally superior to the rest of us, as you should do. But it was really interesting, the documentary, the slaughter and the terrible ways in which all industrial ways that we treat other animals is... There was also a political element to it where I had never thought about when you buy fast fashion, you do sometimes think about, well, this could have been made by a slave in... Recently, it was revealed that Uyghur slaves in China are making possibly codes for Zara and things like that. I never thought about that in the fishing industry, but the documentary shows that there is slavery. And then there is this post-colonial aspect where European fishing vessels are going out to the west coast of Africa and depleting their fish reserves so that the traditional communities that live there and fish in a traditional way are actually starving. And then that They go in and start hunting and then that causes Ebola because it disturbs the natural ecosystems and stuff like that. A few things I didn't know about how, for example, the pirates of Somalia were, the whole thing started off with kind of fishing wars and they're just trying to protect their waters. It was an interesting documentary in how it linked a lot of stuff together. I've just been thinking about the environment this week in so many different ways. I have so many thoughts on conspiracy, mainly why they did not name it Conspiracy, which was all over Twitter, but I guess they named it Seaspiracy because it's by the same maker, Kip Anderson, as Cowspiracies. I don't know, I did not like the documentary. This is not to say that I don't agree with the fact that I am a vegetarian, I don't eat meat. And again, it's not that I don't agree with the fact that the modern fishing industry, there's issues with it, and that a capitalistic industry will obviously exploit and harm the environment. I just, I hated the filmmaker. I thought he was so, oh, self-righteous. Yeah, you were saying he seemed really naive to you in the beginning, and I just wanted to just, oh, throttle him. And he just had such an agenda 
I refuse to believe that someone at the age of 22 who lives in an age of the internet, like when did Blackfish come out? That's a movie that talks about the harms of SeaWorld and all of these things. I refuse to believe that someone was 22 and still thought that going to the beach and picking up trash was the way to save the world. And I'm not trying to discourage people from going to the beach and picking up trash. Like, obviously, we should be cleaning up our beaches. And that's a very admirable and worthwhile thing. But just the way that he portrayed this was... And then there's a lot of things that people pointed out. For example, the fact that Kip Anderson and the filmmakers coincidentally on the Seaspiracy website link to their vegan food subscription service. That they tie it into using Seaspiracy as a way to automatically promote their brand. And of course, you know, at the end of the day, we all have to eat. So anyone who's making any sort of documentary has an agenda. There's no way to have an unbiased opinion. You're going to make a documentary, you're going to be biased. But he really irked me. He seemed so, like, self-righteous and naive to me. I didn't really, really, like, think about this until I read the article on Vox by Danny Polly, who is a marine biologist, and he says that giving up seafood isn't the best way to save the ocean. But one of the things that he points out was that there's a lot of anti-Asian sentiment within the documentary, so all of the people who are presented as the experts or helping save the world are all white people, and then he goes to Japan and Thailand and Hong Kong and all of the images that he presents of Asian people are super negative of a man brandishing a knife of the fishermen in Japan. And there's this weird underlining white savior narrative a little bit to it, which goes back to what you were saying before about the fishing industry on the African coast. In this article, he points out that a lot of the facts that they use in Seaspiracy are incorrect. So the claim that the ocean will be empty by 2048 if we keep fishing as we do now is a misrepresentation of a now-dated research paper. And then he goes on to elaborate to basically say that the author of this paper has said, oh, actually, those facts with new data are incorrect. So is their fact-checking wrong? Okay, I have so much to say about this. Let's take the 2048 thing. So in environmental science right now, I think always they are miscalculating stuff and there's always new research because we don't know what our impact is and our impact is always speeding up or slowing down or the calculations were wrong. I read recently they calculated like the ice on the planet melting wrong by really ridiculous amounts. There was an interesting article in The Guardian about seaspiracy and like a lot of people, MSC and the dolphin safe people who I think were very rightly called out in the documentary as being commercial, ineffective bodies. I think the documentary did a good job on that. But Professor Callum Roberts, who's a marine conservationist from the University of Exeter, who was quoted in Seaspiracy, said that the film is not made for scientific rigour. It has used the techniques of film storytelling to make its case. My colleagues may rue the statistics, but the basic thrust of it is we are doing a huge amount of damage to the ocean, and that's true. At some point, you run out. Whether it's 2048 or 2079, which is the current figure, the question is, is the trajectory in the wrong direction or the right direction? I completely understand your annoyance with this guy who's just... It is a type of storytelling, and I think it's necessary because you have David Attenborough doing the same thing, but he's got a whole different tone, a whole different authority, a whole different way of telling stories. The only way human beings understand things is through storytelling, and this thing really did affect a lot of people to just be like, okay, I'm giving up fish. 
So in the Vox article, he said the idea that you give up fish and that that's the best way to solve the problem is wrong, right? Because you need big legislative changes. You need to really support these conservationist bodies, which he does criticize quite a lot in the film, which like, is that the right way to go about it? So he's picking at the storytelling and the angles. And I understand that the storytelling is annoying for you, but I think it's very effective for a lot of people. And I was also like, oh, here's this naive guy. Oh, I love dolphins. And I mean, I don't know how much of it is also... Alive. Yeah, is also, you know, like when you watch X Factor or something, everyone has to have a story. You have to have a story out and a trajectory and an emotional pull. And this really had it. Something like David Attenborough is a slow build. It's a different type of impact. It's for a different audience and a different type of people. The problem I think we have now is that people don't really truly realise just how fucked we are. Or maybe they realise it, that we go around ignoring it. I was reading an article in Scientific American and it was about a new study published in Science. And since 1500, we have killed off at least... 322 types of animals, including the passenger pigeon, the Tasmanian tiger, the bhaji, a freshwater dolphin in China, and another 20,000 or more species are now threatened with extinction. And that's according to the International Union for Conservation of Nature, which keeps a list of all the known endangered plants and animals on the planet. And the population of any given animal among 5 million or so species on the planet is, on average, 28% smaller. We're living in what we call the sixth mass extinction. Because of human life, recent studies, and like I say, the studies are changing all the time, are saying that the current extinction rate is roughly a thousand times faster than the average pace of the Earth's history. So it's the fastest extinction event on record, even if it's not a mass die-off, like an asteroid. So human beings have been controlling and affecting ecosystems for many, many, many years, and archaeologists have even traced it back to the Mayans and stuff. This idea of untouched land is actually a myth too, because most human civilizations, like 10,000, 20,000 years back, we have been affecting ecosystems and moving stuff around. And we can stop it. It's not complete doom, but we have to take it really seriously and do the work now. So yeah, all of that nuance is missing a bit, but I think it's really necessary that you just put the fear of eating fish into people too. What you're saying reminds me of the social dilemma, which had something similar in it. There was this entire dramatization with this child or getting sucked. He couldn't resist his phone. It was so cheesy and oh, it made me cringe. But I guess then you point out, you're like, yeah, people need that. You need to play on people's emotions. Otherwise, they won't take it seriously. But people don't understand as well. I think if you don't know that you're a product for Google. Yeah. And then you're watching this and you're figuring it out for the first time. The only way you're going to get it, I think, is through that dramatization and that storytelling. Yeah. But it just drove me crazy because I was like, I could do without this just interview the experts and don't give me this weird exaggeration of, of something. I see what you're saying. And obviously all of these organizations, like any organization that gets to a massive scale is going to be corrupt in some way because humans are humans. And the same is true for PETA. But didn't it strike you a little bit as odd as the fact that like he went after MSC and Dolphin Safe and all these things. And I get that he was trying to make the point that the organizations that try to protect the dolphins are potentially not doing their job or failing at their job somehow. But wouldn't it have been 
better to have made us angry at big corporations? Because I think that, okay, maybe if we all get angry at MSC or at Dolphin Safe, we can hold them accountable and help them to fix the problem or whatever, right? But surely directing our anger towards a massive fishing conglomerate would have been more beneficial than us all getting mad at MSC. But I think MSC and Dolphin Safe are... Well, they're just NGOs that are... Businesses. Of course they're businesses, but they are NGOs. Yeah, but I think they're profit-making capitalists as well, so... No, no, no. It's not. I'm not trying to say that they aren't. Yeah. Like, they are the ones that are trying to protect. They're not the ones doing the actual damage. I mean, they are inadvertently doing damage if the documentary is to be believed, when he interviews the guy from Dolphin Safe, who says that, no, he, you know, the observers can be bribed and he can't guarantee that the no dolphins are actually harmed. But then... But I think they are doing harm because when you go to the supermarket, if you see that thing, first of all, it's fraud because it's not Dolphin Safe. And second of all, it's encouraging people to continue eating that stuff when they probably shouldn't be. Sure. I mean, it's the same thing as telling people that if you, what is that nature box? They keep having these ads where they're like, we are the new climate change activists. And if you buy our product, you're contributing to the climate or making people feel guilty about using plastic straws when that's not even the, don't use plastic straws. But surely it's a better thing to go after the big conglomerate companies who are actually contributing to the damage rather than dolphin safe. I'm not trying to say you're not supposed to hold dolphin safe accountable and make sure that they actually do their job. And of course, them putting this dolphin safe label onto a can of tuna when it's not is wrong and misleading and they should be held accountable for that. But what about the company that is harvesting the tuna? But I think the company that's harvesting the tuna is obvious. I think going after Dolphin Safe and MSC is not obvious. So that was interesting. Yeah. Because I believe the Dolphin Safe labels. But you just assume that all big conglomerate capitalistic companies are corrupt. Yeah. And Mm. I think they did try it. Because you're right. The point that the film makes in a way, okay, if you can afford to stop eating fish and probably everyone who subscribes to Netflix probably can. But I think that's important. But I think what would have been more important would have been how can we be activists to make a more a bigger structural change through legislature and politics? Mm. Because you're right when you say, oh, everyone's focusing, like when we go to a coffee shop now, we have to bring our own cups and stuff, which is great. But that's not going to change the multi-billion dollar plastic industry and the control of that. Somebody has to hold them responsible. And that starts with legislature. To put the responsibility on the individual is a continuing fault because we have individual responsibility, but we all need to start organizing and be shown the way to make massive change because we really require massive change. A hundred companies are responsible for 71% of the world's pollution. So yes, of course, it's important that we all do our part, take shorter showers, fly less, use less plastic, but it's this like redirecting of the narrative be like, oh, by the way, it's your fault. When, when it's structural change that needs to happen, not everyone on earth needs to bring a plastic cup to their coffee shop, which in and itself is a luxury problem, isn't it? It's kind of similar to this idea of a carbon footprint, which has been pushed onto us for a really long time to watch out for a carbon footprint, when in reality, my contribution by flying twice a year is probably not that big in comparison with some of these massive conglomerate companies. Yeah, true. I think to reduce carbon in the atmosphere, we definitely need to be controlling massive carbon polluters. When I was reading about this, I found it super interesting that first scientists 
to actually show how climate change was caused by CO2 was a woman called Eunice Foote, and she was a women's rights activist. And she did a bunch of experiments involving glass cylinders and different gases in 1856. But her research was buried until somebody came across it in 2010. And by then she was forgotten and other scientists like John Tyndall, who did a similar thing three years after her, was known as founding father of climate science. But actually it was a woman who did the first experiments. But about carbon, a new study shows that compensation for oil company executives creates actually incentives not to shift to renewables, but to produce more hydrogen carbons because they have loads and loads of shares which creates unacknowledged personal desire to explore and extract and sell fossil fuels so their compensation is directly linked to exploitation instead of the other way around which it should be like linked to lowering absolute emissions so i think governments are needed to help that process and direct it and new zealand is the first country to force its banks to reveal the impact that their loans will have on the climate crisis and i think that's a really good step i'm super curious to know what's going to happen to the people from seaspiracy because i remember in a film class i took in college joe Berlinger came. He is the filmmaker behind the movie Crude, which looks at the poisoning of the water source in Ecuador by Chevron, the oil company, and they came for him. He was telling us about how he has no money, they've subpoenaed everything, they've taken all his emails, they've ruined his life. Maybe that's why the guy in Seaspiracy didn't actually go after these massive corporations. He's aware that they can come and ruin you in a way that you have no chance of fighting them. I think the way to maybe go after the corporations without going after the corporation and affect change is just make everyone very strongly be like, I'm not eating fish anymore, then there's no industry left. Of course, there are subsidiaries that the EU continues to provide, but they can't keep on providing it if nobody eats fish anymore. So if we all stop eating fish, which is not going to happen, because you were saying like cowspiracy, a bunch of people saw cowspiracy and they turned vegetarian for a month or two and then they went back to it. I find it really fascinating human beings like <laughs> we're in such a moment of crisis and everyone's just like continuing eating meat we're all flying around having fun in a global pandemic but somehow you think people seem to have forgotten because they don't seem to give a shit i think we don't have the capacity for long-term thinking we have that positivity bias so we think somebody somewhere is gonna sort this out right <laughs> but i don't think they are so in that sense, you really do have personal responsibility in the end. That's up to you. Yeah, but also the thing about not eating fish anymore, it worries me. It worries me that it's kind of like the fast fashion. I think if we all stop buying fast fashion, if we all stop eating fish, who is it actually going to impact? Is it going to impact these massive companies? No, it's going to impact the low-wage worker working on the boat. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely complex, right? Because then in that case, of course, the people who work for the fisheries will be affected. On the other hand, the people who are from the traditional fishing villages on the west coast of Africa might be able to fish again because the industrial fisheries yeah. are no longer... It's so complex. What's really clear with all these documentaries is that everything is tied together. Everything. From politics, revolutions, people's daily lives, neo-colonialism, microplastics in our bodies. It's such an important topic. And on that note, here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person. 
number one, we do recommend that you actually do watch Seaspiracy and Life on This Planet by David Attenborough. They are really good resources for understanding how everything is linked. And we only have this one planet. Our effect on it is massive. Thing two, take personal responsibility and try to recycle and try to reuse reusable cups. But also look for legislative change. Lobby your local politicians. When elections come up, pay attention to their policies on the environment and that they're actual policies and not just puffs of smoke. And thing three, there was a really great thread posted on Earth Day on Gurgon International in Berlin where everyone shared their tips for what they do on a personal level to be more responsible towards the environment. A lot of people in that group have gone vegan. One person has not taken a flight since 2018. Wash your plastics before you throw them into the recycling. Some people have tried to go completely plastic free, which is really hard in Germany because we have a lot of plastic packaging in the supermarkets, but they managed to do it. Somebody stopped using a hairdryer. Somebody else said that she stopped exercising, so she uses less carbon dioxide. Another person says she doesn't have children which actually is massive in terms of environmental aspects. Buying secondhand clothes, mending your clothes, not overbuying, and turning off the tap when you're in the middle of brushing your teeth or when you're shampooing your hair and changing from shower gel to soap, shampoo to a hard shampoo so you use less plastic. Those are just some of the tips to be more responsible towards planet Earth. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like this podcast please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube. For news about the show or upcoming events, and links to all our sources, references, and other geeky inspiration, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent, non-profit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud, or support us on Patreon at patreon.com misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.